This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Welcome to a dual episode of Militantly Mixed and Blurred Comics. It's your girl Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. And I am coming off of the Main Hustle Media hiatus briefly here in December because I couldn't let the day go by without marking the loss of someone who uh, was significant to me throughout my childhood in fantasy world and in my adulthood in real life uh, that is the passing of carol spinney who you would know as the creator and performer of big bird and oscar the grouch uh, this is probably my 12th or 15th take <laughs> i'm trying to get through it without getting emotional um, carol spinney died on december 8th 2019 he suffered from dystonia, which is like a movement disorder. Uh, this was something that he already had when I met him in 2014, but he was actively just trying to get to the 50-year mark of performing um, Big Bird before he fully retired, and he had been in the process of training and understudy for about 17 years. Um, and I, I feel bad that I can't think of the guy's name right now because I do know it, but I, I have Carol on the brain more. I think his name might be Matthew Vogel or Mark Vogel, something. He'd been sort of understudying as Big Bird for 17 years and uh, and performing him sometimes, but, but mostly it remained Carol. And um, Sesame Street was very accommodating of allowing Carol to continue to play the character until he physically couldn't anymore. And... Uh, which I think is important because Big Bird and Carol are the same person. <laughs> they just are. Even though there is a character or there is the character of Big Bird being performed right now by another person on Sesame Street, which I think is important because kids need Big Bird. Um, you'll never be able to separate Big Bird from Carol, just like you can't separate Kermit from Jim Henson. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about introduce Carol to you as a person because most of you may know Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch but may never have heard of Carol. Um, and then I want to share some of my favorite moments that I experienced with him um, in 
my brief time of getting to be around him. Uh, and then some of my favorite moments from Sesame Street songs and, and such um, that just remind me of him and, and things like that. So this might be weird because it is memorializing someone who is sort of, you know, a celebrity, a fantasy character, someone that I, you know, in most cases you don't have uh, connection to. Um, I just have this weird patch of time for three days in 2014 where I was, I worked as a driver and a talent handler for him and his wife. And I looked after them for a couple of days in New York. And, um, and so I have like actual personal experiences with him. And, uh, so yeah, it might not be like some of the other memorial shows you're going to hear because it's, it's both about, the characters that he played and him, the loss of him as well. Uh, so I'll do my best not to be too depressing because I do want to honor him, but I'm also really, really sad today. Cause it does feel like losing a friend, like a lifelong friend, even though I, I only knew him in real life for three days. <laughs> okay. Shake it off. Here we go. Uh, so I thought I'd start with sort of a begin at the beginning, because many of you may not know Carol Spinney as a person, and you'll only know um, Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. But uh, uh, Carol was born December 26, 1933. He was named Carol because he was born the day after Christmas, and his mother thought of Christmas carols when he was born. He got bullied a lot, obviously, for his name growing up, and when he asked his mom, why did you name me Carol? <laughs> Uh, she told him the Christmas Carol story, and he was like, great. <laughs> it's not going to help me not get beat up anymore. Um, but I think also he had a male family member who was also named Carol. But um, it's still one of those things that he had a good sense of humor about it. Even in his 80s when I met him, he he talked about how uh, people would confuse his uh relationship for a lesbian relationship because it's carol and deborah um i also got to meet and spend time with deborah and the two of them together are we're just the sweetest couple ever in terms of humans that you meet in your lifetime i i can say with not without exaggeration that carol spinney and deborah were amongst the sweetest most empathetic people um that I have met they're just they're they love each other they're very caring they care about people's comfort and I'm supposed to be looking after them they were trying to look after me uh they were just wonderful to be around for the period of time I got to be around them and um my heart really goes out to Deborah today as well because I know she's been taking care of him for so much of her life and um, I don't know what this life is like once your lifelong partner goes, but, um, I'm really thinking about her today as well. Okay. I'm oh, sorry. So Carol became interested in puppetry at a very young age. He saw a puppet show, I think when he was about four or five years old and he was hooked. That was it. It was, it was going to be a part of his life forever. He found a puppet at a, like a hand puppet type of thing at a, um, garage sale 
and he bought it for a nickel. And with the help of his brother, his mother built him a little stage to perform his puppet shows on. She also wrote sketches for him to perform and was just crazy, crazy supportive of her children's art and imaginations. She was an artist herself. Um, and Carol actually is a really great illustrator. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with just the, the support of his imagination, um, that his mother gave, uh, his father was not cool with puppeteering, um, and that it was important contention in his childhood, but his mother really nurtured that, um, aspect of his life. And because of that, we got Big Bird and we have Oscar the Grouch and we have so many amazing things because of her support of her child. So flash forward to him as an adult. He was in the military. I, I believe it was the Navy, but I'm a little fuzzy on that now at the moment. And when he got out of the Navy and he was looking for a job, he, he ended up uh, doing some puppeteer work. And, and he also was one of the early children's uh, programming educators because only like six or seven years after TV was even like available, he had a, a, a TV show. He had a children's programming uh, educational show in Massachusetts. And he was performing puppetry at uh, a, a puppetry festival. And that's how he met Jim Henson. And this was in the early 60s. Jim was like, hey, come on down to New York and uh, let's talk about puppet stuff. And Carol didn't realize he had just gotten offered a job from Jim Henson. Uh, about seven years later, they run into each other again at another event. And Jim says the same thing he says to him seven years before, however long it was. Like, hey, come on down to New York. Let's talk about you being on Sesame Street. And um, so he relocated to, to New York. And, and that, was, that was it. He was, he was a part of Sesame Street pretty much from then on. There was a period of time when he had suffered some some depression and and difficulties, and he kind of hated New York for a period of time, and he was ready to quit it all. But uh, he was convinced to stick around and, and to sleep on it and keep trying, and uh, he ended up sticking it out. And I'm so glad that he did because of all the things that he's given me as a child. Big Bird, when he creates Big Bird, initially the character wasn't the childlike um bird that we're all familiar with it was more of kind of an awkward sort of adult man bird <laughs> uh, but he wasn't happy really performing it and it took him a little bit but he kind of realized you know big bird should be a child he should he should be curious about the world that he's growing up in and getting the support of his neighborhood to to kind of raise him and uh ever since he was able to get that chance to sort of reimagine Big Bird. Big Bird has been the, the character that we've all pretty much grown up on ever since and that he performed for 50 years of his life. Um, Big Bird is perpetually six years old, and which is a brilliant move because through the programming of Sesame Street, we all learned lessons at his pace. So at the ages that we are, um, at the time that we're watching, we're going through probably very similar questions and curiosities and Big Bird's being exposed to those same type of things with us. Um, and so through him, we learn a lot of the early thing lessons in particular. And even though I don't want to bring this whole episode down, one of the most significant scenes, I guess, from Big Bird's life is him learning about death for the first time with the death of Mr. Hooper. And 
I kind of wrestled with whether I would share the the clip because it is something that you can just Google if you want. But um, I do want to share it a bit because it uh, it speaks to a little bit of how we're probably feeling now uh, with the loss of Big Word. So I'm going to go ahead and, and share that here. I'm telling you, she's a great candidate. She says she's against big spending, big business and inflation. She says when she gets and the space program. Hey, sounds great. What's her name? Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> hey, it's time for your present. Yeah. Well, I just uh, drew pictures of all of my grown-up friends on Sesame Street, and I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to be an artist when I grow up. Look at this. Look at me. Yeah, yeah, that's you're always smiling. Thanks a lot, big girl. Hey, that's good. That's good. Oh, hey, there I am. Hey, that's nice. You like me, Tom? I made you. I put musical notes because you're singing. Oh, I know who that is. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Thank you, Big Bird. Thank you. Hey, wait, whoa. Oh, what? That's oh. you, David. Little young, don't you think? Whoa! whoa. Smile. Whoa. I think you're going to like this. And, and last but not least, ta-da! Oh, oh look at that one. That's, that's nice. That's nice. so beautiful. That's, that's nice. Great. Yeah. That is really nice. Can I see oh, that? That's very nice. Oh, that, that's really good. Really, really looks, really looks like it. Yeah, you captured him. Wow, that's that's beautiful, Big Bird. Oh, wow, thank really you. Really nice. Oh, thank you. Mm. Wonderful. Mm. Well, I can't wait till he sees it. Say, where is he? I want to give it to him. I know, he's in the store. A big bird? Hmm? He's 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 not in there. Oh. Then where is he? Big bird, uh, don't you remember we told you uh, Mr. Hooper died? He, he's hmm. dead. Oh yeah. I remember. Well, I'll give it to him when he comes back. Big Bird, Mr. Hooper's not coming back. Why not? Big Bird, when, when people die, they don't come back. Ever? No, never. Why not? Well, Big Bird, they're dead. They, they can't come back. He's gonna come back. Why, who's gonna take care of the store? And who's gonna make my birds eat milkshakes and, and tell me stories? Big Bird, uh, I'm gonna take care of the store. Mr. Hooper, he left it to me. And I'll make you your milkshakes and and we'll all tell you stories and sure. we'll make sure you're okay. Sure, we'll look after you. Oh. Hmm. Well, it won't be the same. 
You're right, Pink Bird. It's, it's, it'll never be the same around here without him. Mm. But you know something? We can all be very happy that we had a chance to be with him and, and to know him yeah. and to love him a lot when he was here. Yeah. And Big Bird, we still have our memories of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, our memories. Right. Why, memories, that's how I drew this picture. Yeah, from memory. Good. Yeah. 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 And and we can remember him and remember him and remember him much as we want to. But I don't like it. It makes me sad. We all feel sad, Big Bird. He's Never coming back? Never? No. Well, I don't understand. You know, everything was just fine. Why does it have to be this way? Give me one good reason. Big Bird. It has to be this way. Because. Just... Because? Just because. Oh. You know, I'm going to miss you, Mr. Looper. That's a hooper, big bird. Hooper. <laughs> right. So in this scene, Big Bird draws pictures of all his adult friends, his human friends. And the last picture he shows everybody is um, the picture of Mr. Hooper. And he doesn't quite understand that Mr. Hooper's gone, gone for real. Uh, he's thinking of death in terms of just a place that you go and then you come back and his friends have to sort of re-educate him on what death is and he has to kind of process it and deal with it in the moment and um, it was a pretty big deal for Sesame Street to do this when they did it. it. It really wasn't something that most children's programming was kind of doing, exposing children to you know, sort of the heavier things of life. You, They were usually trying to be more upbeat and positive, but I'm so glad that Sesame Street started to do this because they were giving, they were allowing us to learn with somebody that we trust and that we were comfortable with, with Big Bird. And, um, I mean, it's so crazy. I've, I've watched this same scene so many times, even as an adult, just going to YouTube and when I learned the news about Carol last night, um, and I don't know if this is a morbid thing to have done, but the first thing I did after my initial set of bawling my eyes out was to go online to watch the Goodbye Mr. Hooper scene. Uh, because I remember that that's how, I don't remember if that's specifically how I learned about death, but it's, it's at least something that pops up in my mind whenever I had to deal with death at a younger age. And even as a teenager. And so I felt like I needed that lesson again to be able to cope with the loss of Carol Spinney last night. So I watched the scene last night. I've watched it a couple times today um, as well. And, um, and it is such a childlike way of trying to understand the significant event, right? It's, uh, 
you so he's never coming back you know that kind of question over and over again and the conclusion that he comes to that you know it's okay now now i get to remember him all the time whenever i want and uh and as much as that is sucks and it's terrible at least we have that and um it's just something that occurred to me last night that I would need a lesson taught to me from Big Bird to be able to cope with the loss of Carol um, right now. So I did want to share that for that reason. Um, I guess on a more upbeat note, I was trying to figure out what would be like the most Big Birdie song um, of all the things that he's sang over the last 50 years. The odd thing is, is in my personal interactions with Carol Spinney, the songs that he sang when I when we were together were Kermit songs um, because he, we talked a lot about Jim and his relationship to Jim and he sang my favorite song which is Rainbow Connection uh, which is a Kermit song but he told me the story about how Rainbow Connection um, came to be and he sang this song when he was telling me about how he how everybody was trying to figure out who was going to voice Kermit after uh, Jim Henson died and so he was sort of using Rainbow Connection to practice his Kermit voice. And he ended up singing Rainbow Connection in my car. And I, I became very emotional uh, hearing him sing it, watching him sing it in Kermit's voice, um, too. Uh, although you could still hear Carol, you can hear Carol in most of his voices. But um, I, I ended up singing it along with him with like full on allergies in my eyes uh, because <laughs> uh, because it is one of my favorite songs. Actually, Rainbow Connection is a song that I, I play for myself. It's one of the few purchases I've actually made on iTunes. I play for myself to remind me to like keep pushing for a goal or if I've achieved a goal. And that is something that, uh, I mean, I've always loved the song as long as I've known it um, from childhood. But as an adult, I used to work for a company, an agricultural company, and the owner would play Rainbow Connection over the loudspeaker whenever we accomplished a milestone, uh, getting a patent approved or, you know, fixing a formula or something like that. If it was a major milestone for the company, she would pump that through the overhead speakers. And, and so that's something that I've kind of adopted in my regular life, too, when I accomplish a goal or when I feel like I need a little bit of reminder that um, dreams are the way you get to a goal, the start of getting to a goal. Um, I do play that song. So I was going to play it, but this is more about Carol than, than Kermit or Jim. Um, but a bulk of, of a lot of my interactions with Carol in real life was talking about Jim, which is why I brought it up. Um, but in thinking about Big Bird songs, I was trying to figure out what would be the most Big Birdiest song. And um, I don't know if this is accurate, but it is the one that kind of pops up in my head a lot. And that is the alphabet song in which Big Bird didn't realize that the alphabet was not a word. And it's just sweet and cute and so representative of Big Bird. So I wanted to share that song. This one says, sail, yarn, ride. Hey, you're doing all right. But there's a word that I saw today. Uh-huh. <sighs> I can hardly say it, and I sure don't know what it means. Well, why don't you tell me? Maybe I can help you. Well, it's quite a word. You ready to hear it? Sure. Okay, listen to this. <clears throat> Abkadefki Jekyllman, not course two, is. I, I beg your pardon, Big Bird. That's the word. 
Abka Desky Jekyll Minot Korstowicz is. Abka, what? Where did you see that word? Right over there in the yard. Oh, in the yard? Sure. Oh, there? Whoa, that is some kind of word. Whoa. Abkadefki Jekylmanop Quistwixes. It's the most remarkable word I've ever seen. Abkadefki Jekylmanop Quistwixes. I wish I knew exactly what I mean. It starts out like an A word, as anyone can see. But somewhere in the middle, it gets awfully queer to me. Abkadefki Jekylmanop Quistwixes. If I ever find out just what this word can mean. I'll be the smartest bird the world has ever seen. Uh, maybe Gordon would know, or, or maybe Bob. I could ask them. Uh, then again, it might be kind of an elephant, or a funny kind of kazoo, or a strange exotic turtle that you never see in a zoo. It might be a kind of doggy, or a particular shade of blue, or maybe a pretty flower. Nah, not with a name like that. Uh-uh. Abkadefki Jekylmanop Quistowitz is the most remarkable word I've ever seen. Abkadefki Jekylmanop Quistowitz is I sure wish I knew exactly what I mean. It starts out like an A word, as anyone can see. But somewhere in the middle, it gets awfully queer to me. If I ever find out just what this word can mean, I'd be the smartest bird this world has ever seen. Oh, Big Bird, that's a terrific song. <laughs> but I really hate to tell you this, what? but that's not a word. It's not. No, Big Bird. This is the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. You mean that's the alphabet? That's right. Oh, it's not a word. No. It's not a Kadefki Jekyllmanopkustubik No, but you know what it is? What? It's a list of all the letters. And so even though Big Bird and Carol Spinney are synonymous, I think, in, in real life and um, I, get, I don't know. I mean, maybe you just go your whole life only knowing Big Bird, but if you get a chance to meet Carol, you don't separate him from Big Bird. Oscar the Grouch, on the other hand, while created by um, Carol and, you know, a different part of his personality, too, I don't think is necessarily as synonymous or, or connected to him. Um, but Oscar, I get so much joy out of. Uh, as a fellow curmudgeon, I respect the game. And I, uh, <laughs> I also really love just how he was created. So this is actually a story that Carol told me in the car, and I was just going to kind of retell it to you. But uh, luckily, I found a clip of him telling the story of how he created Oscar. Uh, so I wanted to share that with y'all, too, because I think it's adorable. I didn't feel I had a good voice for him. And so Jim said, uh, uh, Don Celine, the legendary puppet builder, had just made uh, Oscar. And uh, I was supposed to go over to the studio and on 81st Street and Broadway. And uh, it's an old archaeo theater that converted. And uh, I was going to do Oscar. So he... 
gave me uh, the puppet, which was very different than the one now. He's orange. Uh, and uh, it was a work glove inside. And so you put your thumb in just a cotton work glove, and he built it around that. And I uh, put my right hand in it. Okay, okay. I, uh, so I, I go over to the trash can and discover that they'd made it so badly you could only get your left arm in it. And I'm my left arm, left hands are much stupider than your right if you're right-handed. <laughs> and so I had to put my left hand in it, and the thumb is then on the wrong side. The thumb was over here. So now it was all crucial like this. But I, on the way over, I said, what am I going to use for a voice? And I got in the, a cab, and a, a, a New York cab driver, the kind with the old, you know, newsboy hair, uh, hat and a cigar on one side of his mouth and he's telling me, he says, I got in he says, where to Mac? And I said, wow. Uh, uh, and then he talked about Lindsay. This Lindsay, I'll leave out the colorful words, is ruining the city. And uh, it kind of was, actually. Uh, anyway, he uh, um, he went on and on like that. I said, and I kept saying, to, I got out of the cab as I walked to the studio, I kept saying, where to, Mac? Where to, Mac? Because I'd never had a voice like that in my repertoire of voices. And I said, that should be just right for him. So I, I popped up. Uh, he, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go over and get to the trash can. So I struggled with it. And I said, when I say ready, you come over and knock on it. And so uh, after a minute of struggling, I said, this is terrible. But So I, I, he knocks on it, and I pop him up. And I said, get away from my trash can. And Jim said, that'll do nicely. At the end, in most interactions with Oscar, it usually ends with have a rotten day. <laughs> Um, because he's OG curmudgeon. Um, And after a whole three days of being a handler for for Carol and Deborah, um, when I was returning them home to their home in Connecticut before heading myself back to Massachusetts, uh, I was, you know, said our goodbyes, whatever, hugs, hugs. And as I'm getting into the car, um, Carol and Deborah are standing on the porch and he yells out in Oscar the Crouch's voice to not drive safe and to have a rotten day. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, fuck, I can't get through telling this without crying. It's so funny to me. Like, it's actually one of the things that I... I just have retold that story so many times in the years since I've met him. And um, it's so funny and it's so sweet and weird and Oscar um, that I, at first I wasn't even sure if I was going to share it. Um, but uh, because it was just a moment for me, I think, but uh, which he probably has done this to 11, 2 billion people uh, throughout his life. But, but for me, it just it had me cackling on my drive home and probably crying a little bit, too, just because I'm a big old baby, um, which you can clearly hear now. But uh, I, a lot of people, when they think of Oscar, they associate the, the song I Love Trash with Oscar, which is a dope-ass song. Um, it is not my main go-to Oscar the Grouch song, Um because it's not really representative of, of me. And what I love about Oscar is that uh, his curmudgeon side and my curmudgeon side are very similar. So I wanted to share my favorite Oscar the Grouch song with you. And that is the Grouch Anthem because everybody needs an anthem. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the Grouch Anthem? 
no, no, no. With a grouch anthem, you stay sitting down. Down in front there. Now brace yourself, I'm gonna sing. Grouches of the world unite. Stand up for your grouchly rights. Don't let the sunshine spoil your rain. these moments in your life where you encounter people even if it's briefly and they have a significant impact on your life I think probably anybody who ever meets Carol Spinney would probably feel the same way that it can't not be a significant event in your life to meet Carol Spinney um, especially if you grew up I mean if you grew up on Sesame Street if you if you loved any aspect of Sesame Street I didn't just like love Sesame Street though. Like I continue to love Sesame Street even as an adult. Um, Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch and Ernie are my three favorite characters. Um, and uh, and knowing that you know two of those characters were created by Carol, it was easy for me to sort of attach to him. And I wasn't like one of those people who was just like I love Big Bird, I love Oscar. I like found out who was Big Bird and Oscar when I was like a preteen. <laughs> So, like, I've always been aware of Carol Spinney as a person in the same way that I was aware of Jim Henson. Um, it was important to find out who was the person responsible for Big Bird to me when I was younger. And I found out, and this was before internet, children. Um, I didn't have internet till I was 21. So I found out when I was, like, 12 or 13 who Carol Spinney was. And um, let me tell you, to get a chance to meet somebody when you're like in your late thirties that you've been kind of obsessed with since your childhood, that's kind of a big deal. So <laughs> getting a chance to meet him, I was very excited. Um, how I got the gig at the time I had just wrapped up doing a couple of productions, uh, for a very notable cooking program, cooking competition program, and a really reckless lifetime program about reincarnation. Uh, and I was kind of done for a period of time. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to find anything else or whatever. It's just like, I need something more steady. So I went back to regular work, I guess. And I was working at this place as an uh, executive assistant. And I get a call from a friend who had just moved out to LA 
and was working for Jim Henson since. And they called me and they're like, I got a weird request, but would you be at all interested in driving Big Bird around for a couple of days in New York? <laughs> Um, I was so excited and had so much adrenaline in getting that offer. I was like, I will quit my job right the fuck now. And they were like, don't quit your job. It's only for three days. And I was like, I will fucking quit my job if it gives me a chance to meet Big Bird. Uh, what I think I actually ended up doing, and I don't clearly remember, is I think I implied I had an emergency and that I needed three days off right away or I would need to quit. Um, and uh, I don't remember what the emergency was that I implied, but I was like, I got to do this. I'll come back on Monday or Tuesday or whatever, I promise. But like, I got to do this shit. And so I took the time off. I took my vacation days and I drove from Massachusetts to Connecticut to pick up Big Bird, basically pick up Carol and, and Deborah and drive them from Connecticut to New York and then drive them drive them around to New York, wherever they needed to go, uh, take them to set and then take them back home to Connecticut when we were done. And so, yeah, I jumped at the chance for that and it didn't matter that I already had a full-time job or whatever. Um, I think I used all of the money that I made that week, that, uh, those three days, I keep saying weekend, but it's just because it was three days. Um, I think I used all that money to frame the what you see in the episode art is a print, an autographed print of a painting that Carol Spinney did of Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch in a treehouse. It's an adorable print, and I absolutely love it. Um, he gave me a copy of the print, um, and I had it framed, and it hangs at my entryway in any house that I've lived in since I got it. So it's literally the last thing I look at before I leave my apartment or the first thing I look at when I come in. And it has been that way for the last five years. Um, yeah, I think I used all the money that I made on that job just to get that thing framed because I was like, didn't want to ruin it. I kept it really protected. Um, I was really excited about it. And to this day, it is one of my favorite little bits of artwork in my house. Um, it doesn't match anything else that I have. And it always makes people ask, why do you have Big Bird and ask the grouch on your wall um but and then i get to talk talk about carol so it's dope uh but when you drive up to the house you can see all the you can see that big bird lives there <laughs> basically you can feel big bird's presence wherever where, wherever you're at there and you can feel it when you're just sitting with carol as well i was gonna share a few more clips and a couple of things but i think i'm starting to feel like i've I think on this being the 15th or 12th or whatever take, I'm starting to purge some of the really, really sad, sad feelings and just kind of thinking about the happier ones. So I kind of want to ride that a little bit and, and wrap this up. Like I said, I, I did want to, I, I couldn't let this day pass without acknowledging it. He was a significant person to my childhood, of course, as I believe he is for any of anybody probably under 50 um, that grew up watching Sesame Street, but specifically for my own experience of him, or as I imagine anybody who has ever met him, um, he has a huge impact and he remains a big shadow in my life of, of something that I can always find something to remind me of him in some random event or something or, or seeing a Sesame Street poster or 
anything, you know, he's remained significant in my life. And I'm absolutely grateful for the three days that I got to spend with him as an adult person. I'm absolutely grateful for the 40 years of entertainment and education that he's given me through his characters. And I, even though I don't, I hadn't gotten to see him again, I, I have gotten messages from him through someone who I knew and he knew saw each other at event. He would, he would, him and his wife would send me a hello and, and things like that. So, um, they're just the most sweetest people ever. And I just knowing that Carol's not out there anymore. Yeah. uh, Fucking sucks. (laughs) I don't have an elegant way of saying it. It fucking sucks. He was, he was a dope ass person. He was amazing. And I'm so grateful for it to him. (sighs) Yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and wrap it up. I'm going to go out on again, not to bring it down even further, but because I can't figure out what song will get sung for Big Bird to say goodbye the way Big Bird sang It's Not Easy Being Green to say goodbye to Jim Henson and by extension Kermit. Um, I've decided to just play this Big Bird singing It's Not Easy Being Green um, at Jim Henson's funeral. And, uh, and uh, just say goodbye, Mr. Spinney. something much more colorful like that it's not easy being green it seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things and people tend to pass you over because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles on the water or stars in the sky It's what I want to be. Thank you, Kermit. 
Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.